You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM, and this is Media on the Radio. Hey, everybody. I'm very excited about this new series I'm doing on nonprofit fundraising. But if you're interested in binge listening, right now, currently, if you're listening to one of them, all of them exist on my website, waitwhatpro.com. So you can go to waitwhatpro.com very easily, find a link to all episodes pertaining to nonprofit fundraising. And I'm hoping to continue this series as time goes on and as I find relevant topics to share and to contribute to the conversation. Liz Norton with Stone Soup Films finds nonprofits that have no budget to speak of to create any type of media for their organization. And what Stone Soup Films does is collaborates with other filmmakers and their in-house staff to create videos for the the smaller nonprofits. We talk all about video making, how to approach it, what is a good recipe for making a fundraising video for nonprofits. And it's a really great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Today, we're going to be talking about video as a tool for, for nonprofit fundraising. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on is because you have um, quite a bit of experience in this area. Can you talk a bit about your organization and what it is that Stone Soup Films does? Uh, Stone Soup was started um, in 2008 based on this notion that there was this space between organizations that were doing incredibly interesting, groundbreaking work that was helping people and their inability to communicate that idea or that story to potential supporters and or donors in this case. Um, and what I found was there was a lot of media being made. Uh, people were pay- the organizations that could pay were paying for media and the, and the pieces that I was seeing were just kind of terrible. And that, that just, that's like, that's my professional assessment. They were awful. And I couldn't figure out why. And I had a media background and public policy background. And, you know, I had been a television producer and I was just, I was confused about why that was because it, it really wasn't about money. It wasn't about that they, if they had spent more, it would have been better. So the idea was, what if we got people uh, like me and some other like-minded individuals who really thought that video was a powerful tool for messaging? And uh, what if we got them together? Because this is an incredibly collaborative effort. Uh, it's extremely difficult. You know, uh, Devin, as a maker yourself, you know, it's uh, it's almost impossible to do it well by yourself. Um, so I thought, well, maybe we could get a bunch of people to come together. I was hoping for, you know, I don't know, 15 to 20 volunteers. A collaborative, yeah. exactly, to make <laughs> maybe, you know, one or two films a year. And I got to tell you, you know, we made one our first year. And then uh, last year, you know, we have almost 700 volunteers and uh, we made uh 22 films last year. So we'll make this year, we will have made our hundredth short on behalf of nonprofits here in Washington. And there's a certain way in which you pick the nonprofits um, for, for various reasons. Um, and and what is what are some of the criteria? Yeah, well, you can imagine we get a lot of applications because uh, we're giving out, you know, free ice cream and candy. Uh, so um, we... We've become very much more particular. In the beginning, um, it was who has a very strong need, who really doesn't have any existing footage or media whatsoever, um, and who I met like at a conference. <laughs> so it was just completely. Um, I actually do remember vividly that I had to convince Bread for the City, which was our first 
film series that we made, they were expanding their medical clinic, um, and people knew that they fed people, but they didn't understand they had this full-fledged health service. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm starting this company. And they were like, um, I don't know. It was it was really funny. So I, I had to convince them to do it. We did a series of uh, shorts about how the people who worked there were transforming the lives of this community. And it was so wildly successful for them. Um, and so it kind of ca- caught on from there. So now the application process is much more, uh, it's turned the other way, which is that we're only, unfortunately, uh, able to accept maybe one in four applications now. So you have to be serving people in Washington. You have to have really no no usable existing video. We've made some exceptions for organizations who've had a video that's really dated or just harmful. Um, and also you have to have a demonstrably no communications budget to be able to pay um, what we value sometimes, you know, $20,000, $25,000 for what we're delivering. And also the kind of the the counseling and the and the the strategy for even putting that out, you also work with them on that. Oh yeah. So that's so that's so across the board we do uh, deep dive communication strategy to try to really I like to say like lift up the hood in the organization and see kind of what where their stumbling blocks are. But I will say that um, you know uh, the, we do a lot of strategy work for nonprofits that we end up not making a film for just for capacity purposes. So we do a lot of conferences and workshops and all kinds of other outreach in the strategy area to hundreds of other nonprofits each year just to get them from zero to five. Great. And, and I have a you know, family background in nonprofit uh, management. My mom, for you know, her, most of her adult life, was in nonprofit management. And she... Uh, you know, and I was talking to somebody that, that does some consulting with nonprofits, and they pointed out that, you know, before the internet, the, the main way in which um, nonprofits communicated with, with their people were newsletters, and that you were writing letters or benefits that maybe they had a video, maybe they didn't. Uh, but once the internet hit, they resolved this kind of landscape that you can, you can do anything. You could have a website, you have videos, you could have social media now. Um, so, and I think... To, to that end, I think that that some nonprofits, especially small ones, that's lower on the, or put on the back burner in terms of developing a strategy for video or, or anything else like that. And I'm curious what, given all of your experience with, with working with nonprofits and, and especially smaller nonprofits that maybe don't have much of a budget for it, what do you see as like the when you talk to them about making a video, what, what's kind of the perception of it? It's such a good question. And while you were talking, I was thinking I have like a monkey brain. So I was thinking about five, 10 different answers to your question, which is what the one thing I want to say is it has a double edged sword about this information about the internet, because on the one hand, the newsletter side of it or word of mouth was really like everyone, you know, everyone they know, and then maybe everyone your board knows. And then there was a wall. So there, so even if you had a newsletter, your newsletter couldn't, nobody's going to say, Hey, I got this newsletter and pass it on to a stranger. It just doesn't happen that way. So then you have the, the web, which is amazing because the potential for distribution is limitless and free. Mm-hmm. I say that in like air quotes. <laughs> um, but the problem with that is there's so much competing information and entertainment and data and funny cat videos and all of that. So, so cutting through the morass of, 
of all of the information is a different set of challenges. So whereas they have this distribution channel, they sometimes need that sort of more strategic push to cut through. And I call it sort of like the no okay Cupid challenge, you know, where you're trying to match the um, supporter who is interested and excited about the mission of an organization they may never have even known about before. So that to me is sort of like the holy grail of the video intention is not just the people who know you already, but the people who had no idea before they saw the video that you even existed and it really resonates with them. So when an organization comes to us, it's a little bit skewed, uh, as you can imagine, because they're already applying so already they have some awareness that it's not no longer a luxury. And I actually say that very strongly. I think for a long time, video was a luxury and many organizations and foundations and everybody that we know in this business are saying it's, it's not a luxury anymore. So given that, if you're applying to us, you already have some inclination that you have this need. Now, some people's needs, they think, oh, well, we have a big event coming up and we want to show, um, you know, a five minute video at our event. We, that's fine, but that is a very limited and short sighted view of the potential of exactly what I just said, which is reaching people who aren't already, haven't already bought a ticket to your fundraiser. Um, so we can talk more about that, about that, but I think what we often try to do is we'll say, okay, we'll make it for your gala, but we're also going to make a whole series of other things and maybe a different directed, um, short, uh, for your, you know, for, to, for, for your board to, you know, to put out on the, on their Facebook pages or, you know, whatever it is that we need to, to widen distribution. I work a lot with nonprofits and, um, I'm not giving away videos for free, <laughs> but I am, you know, I'm charging and I'm, and when I, we have that conversation about, uh, there's two things that happen. And one is there's always this pushback about, you know, it's it, to them, they see it as an investment. And, and what's interesting, and when you talk to a lot of people in this profession, for the most part, making a video is, is in the cost area. So content development is, is they, a lot of, People don't think about it this way, but it's a cost, right? If you're creating quality content that people want to digest, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to see a return on that investment. That's more about awareness and more about you putting yourself out there. And then when you're going to make a specific fundraising video, they tend to want to then have a return on it, which makes sense as if, you know, if they're trying to raise $20,000 in a, an event, they don't want to spend 15000 on the video, right? So can you talk a little bit about your experience with that and, and maybe changing the viewpoint of, of a return on investment so much as, you know, a, a tool that they can use? I mean, I could fill this entire time giving you anecdotes of organizations that have received a film from us. I mean, granted, they didn't pay, but what if they had? They've received 10 times what the value of the film was. Um, you know, I mean, we've even had organizations get a, a $300,000 commitment, $100,000 over three years based on a, a viewing of the film because they didn't know the organization existed. So this isn't even, I mean, it's like not even funny. I mean, we could really just go through and talk about it. But more importantly than that is the kind of, there's a lot of things that aren't quantifiable that organizations do not think of, which is 
uh, number one, uh, crazy stuff. Like it's unbelievably um, beneficial to staff morale to have somebody come in and say, what you're doing is really important. It feels invisible, but it isn't. And this after school program you're doing with these kids is really amazing. And it's so amazing that I'm going to bring a video camera in here and I'm going to interview you. So that's a very kind of intangible benefit for boosting up your staff and making them feel really valued. There's so many other ways to do this, which is that, uh, for example, we had an organization that was doing a pitch to uh, like branch managers and office managers and not, it was, they were trying to get a, um, uh, them to basically pay for a year's internship with a, with a DC high school senior and they were having a hard time kind of convincing all of the constituencies that they had to that it was worthwhile to, to you know, to take on this intern. So we made a three-minute short for that meeting so that when they came in, they opened it up to the branch manager of Morgan Stanley. They watched a three-minute piece about how, a, you know, an office was transformed and a child's life was transformed by this tiny investment. And what they said was that meeting became unbelievably simple. Like it was, it was a difficult pull in the beginning to get them to do it. And after they had the video, it was literally like they closed the laptop and they were like, where do we sign? It's so much about kind of how the how and why that you do it and being targeted and being realistic about your returns. Let's say you're trying to, I mean, literally, like, let's say you're trying to say, we want individual donations to go up 40%. Then you make the film for that purpose. And so it's beyond an investment. It's like a commitment to success in that area. And really, I, I very strongly believe that it's incredibly difficult to do that without an effective video. Point out the, the term target. And I think, you know, <laughs> in this field, when you say, what's your audience, it's become a cliche because it's, people don't want to hear it because it's like, ah, I don't just, I want it to work, whatever. And I, and I run into the situation and I use the analogy of say like a food bank, for example, and maybe a food bank gets to, gets to make a video. They have a grant. And when that food bank makes that video, they want to make the biggest, best all encompassing video, which makes sense, right? That, you know, that you gotta, you gotta interview the board, you gotta interview all of these different people and it becomes, you know, a map the size of the world. And the question I ask is, but you know, when you think about audience, you know, there's, there's the big donors that give a lot of money. There's small donors that you can target separately. There's the people themselves that are getting the benefit of the food bank. There's volunteers that volunteer at the food bank. So those are all separate videos. But when you sit down and, and target and you say, okay, well, it almost makes your job so much more simple to target and, and it makes, it opens up creativity because, okay, well, what do we do? What is this message? Right. Like? And at the end of the day, this is about an emotional connection. So like I said, I mean, I said that I was making a joke about the matchmaking, but actually it's true that you, 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 you do an interview with them to try to figure out who is going to resonate the most with their messaging. So for example, we just made a short for, um, an organization that does, um, breast care, uh, breast cancer imaging, um, east to the river. And I was like, I really want survivors, wealthy women survivors who don't know what you're doing 
to find out about this organization. And it has been an amazing, we made the piece for them. We got this Bethesda, you know, the sort of like affluent um, women survivors group uh, uh, on board. And that's going to be worth maybe $150,000, $200,000 to them every year. This is a game changer. We wanted, we made the piece to target that group. Is it crass? I don't know. I don't really care. I mean, it's, 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 this is about changing people's lives for the better. So whatever you have to do to make sure that, and it's not manipulative. It's a, by, by the way, we are crazy about authenticity and about real people and real stories. We never script, we never narrate. We are extremely conscious about the dignity of the people that we interview and preserving that and making sure that people have, it's very hard to be on the receiving end of services. And when you do this, these videos, oftentimes you're giving people an opportunity, a voice, their stories. They may not have a lot of resources or a lot of power, but their stories can actually help someone like them. And it's incredibly empowering um, for them. So you know, like in the example that I gave you, survivor to survivor, that's a pretty powerful connection. Whether you're a poor woman or a rich woman, you know, you both are stricken by this disease. So we are trying to do that for all the organizations that we partner with just to be smarter. And like you said, like telling the whole story is a waste of time and resources. If you are smart and strategic and you really understand kind of where your messaging, where your program is going to resonate the most, it's the best use of your time. I really like the word authenticity. And I know that you, because I've, I've helped um, produce a, a piece for Gearing Up Bikes, which is a small nonprofit that You guys did such a good job. Youth development, you know, um, uh, it's in Northeast and it helps uh, youth come in, learn how to fix up their own bike and then... It, then some of the youth go on to become bike mechanics and go on from there to, to find jobs. It's a great organization. Um, and what I really appreciated is that Stone Soup allows filmmakers like myself and other your other volunteers to really go after the story. And there's not scripting and there's not this top-down approach to it. And I think that's really important because um, right now I'm, I'm trying to develop some podcasts with nonprofits. I love podcasts, as you can probably tell that we're recording one right now. I'm, I'm always have my earbuds in listening to podcasts. I'm probably a junkie and way off the radar um, with how much I listen to podcasts. But um, I really want to try and get some some organizations to, to, to start doing some podcasts. I love that idea. And the one thing, and it's cheaper, and, and this, is, this is counterintuitive to me because I, I can make a lot more money making a video versus doing a podcast. But the one thing that, that is, would be the struggle, I think, is the authenticity. Because you almost have to be a little irreverent. You have to, has to be very conversational. And in some organizations, they don't kind of want to go there. They'd rather just kind of have some sort of, it turns out you can make a podcast that ends up just sounding like a meeting. Right. Or like, right. A, like a, like a corporate white paper or something like that. So that same idea of translating that to video and making it authentic, what are the ingredients or what, you know, maybe just take it as a, as a stone soup film. Yeah. What are the ingredients that you're looking for? It's funny. Uh, one organization, it's, it's a really good question. Um, one organization, uh, said after the video was done and they loved it, they said, you know, we were really nervous in the beginning because you were talking about casting. 
Uh, and we do, we use that word um, because we do, we cast, we, you know, for in their organization in particular, this was a, a youth mentoring, uh, literacy mentoring program. Um, we interviewed and searched around for students who we thought were most emblematic of the struggle of the kind of obstacles they were trying to overcome as readers and uh, they were tutoring younger kids. And that when the executive director said I was worried about casting, what he's saying is he was worried about exploitation. And he was worried that we were going to try to find like some rock star kid that wasn't emblematic of the basic of the average student that they're encompassing. But when we say casting, we're doing exactly what you're talking about, which is who are the people who feel the most real that are maybe uh, not who you'd think of, but are actually, in fact, the much more likely to benefit from that program. Um, and letting those people speak for themselves, never prompting them. In a way, you can make it less like a meeting in that way. Um, and also showing kind of like their per more of their personality and their side. You know, we're all people are really complicated, you know, um, and uh, you know, especially if we're talking about teenagers, which is, I think, like, I mean, for, for us at Stone Superfilms, you know, kids and teenagers are often the worst people to interview because they give you platitudes. You know, they give you like, I just want to make the world a better place. And you're like, are you kidding me? So I... I find that in in this work, whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're doing a video, it's really trying to figure out the the core of that individual and how that how their lives were transformed by that program. And the transformation really is the most interesting part, I think, for anybody. You know, before they came in through that door, what was their life like? And then what is their life like now? So if you're doing that in the interview format or whether you're doing it in a video, being able to show that is, an, I think, invaluable. A friend of my wife's who worked at Amnesty International, they were making a, a documentary and apparently like Nicolas Cage like footed the bill for it. And, and he was really, um, he was really into arms, uh, like international arms deals. And, and they were making this, this documentary about that. And I think he gave a grant of like a hundred thousand dollars and it turned out they made the documentary for 30 and spent 70,000 on outreach and, and advertising and wow. putting it out there. And, and when you think about that ratio, it kind of, it's surprising, right? And I think that kind of mindset and talking about how you do this strategy with, with the Stone Soup um, participants, it's really important to think about that because I think a lot of, um, without that strategy, I've seen it happen where, where clients of mine will put um, a video up that they spend a lot of time and dedication on and it gets 119 views or something like that. Right. And I'm, there's no strategy to kind of push it out. Yeah, I always say, like, even if it's on, it's like having a really awesome shoe store, like, on a side street. You know, if you're lucky if someone walks by. But if you're not publicizing and advertising your great shoes, nobody's going to. And that's how it is on the website, right? Nobody, if, Unless somebody's walking by, they're not going to see that video, which is why it's not getting very many plays. And we do a distribution consult with all of our partners because we have no interest in that staying on the shelf either. Um, but part of that is also understanding and leveraging the power of all of this, all these, all this free distribution. So it's, it can be everything low hanging fruit, like, you know, Facebook, you know, whatever, Twitter, 
also giving it new life and making the pieces, by the way, shorter and shorter and shorter to really understand the attention span. Like if you think about your psychologically, you know, if you have your cursor, you're on your computer, it's it's 10 o'clock at night and you put your cursor over something and it says eight minutes and 30 seconds, you're like, eh, I don't think so. But if it said 245, you'd be like, eh, I got 245. So you have to think about sort of how people are consuming the media also. Walter Murch, who's a really famous editor, who's done Apocalypse Now, Godfather 2. Um, he actually has, in the editing room, he has two little figurines. Did you know that? Yeah. Because he's working on a computer screen, but he models these little man and, and woman figurines that are the size of the person in the theater to uh, give him a cue of, okay, this person is in a theater watching this, and I have to put myself in that mind frame to make sure that that person is, is enjoying what I'm doing. So they're not going to be watching it in his, in his editing lab. And I think that's really important to think about is, is when you watch it and it's about your organization, you have this emotional pull towards it. But if it gets too long, if it gets into seven minutes, will, will that play in between meetings when someone's on their phone? Will they watch seven minutes? And it, and, and when I talk to clients too, it's not about the one video. It's about 10 different versions of that video that you can slice and dice into all these different channels. And people want it. Like, I mean, if you look at Upworthy or any of these organizations, like there, people are, people send videos to each other all the time. It's not like people aren't interested in watching. It's, a, it's that, is it, you know, does it strike that harmonic? Is it yeah. harmonically converged to what that person wants to see in that moment? And that seven, ten minute video makes a lot of sense at your gala or makes a lot of sense totally. for the right audience. As a matter of fact, we ask organizations at your gala, are people sitting down or is it a cocktail party? Are they standing up or are they sitting down? Because that, that affects our yeah. duration. Yeah. So just to finish out, um, I'm curious if there's any takeaways or any words of wisdom for nonprofits that want to venture into making a, a fundraising video. Or if you have an anecdote that a success story that, that kind of sticks out as we were talking about all of this. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, <laughs> we, uh, I would say just words of wisdom are don't be intimidated. Um, I think people sometimes think that this is rocket science. It isn't. It's a lot of the messaging you've already been doing. It's just in a different form. And there are lots of ways to do this and not been, you know, break your bank. Um, but also it's not free. I mean, our organization is the outlier and, um, just like any service, I mean, you don't expect to get a new copier for free. So you're, you have to think about it as a, as a tool, like any other tool you have in your tool chest. And for those organizations in particular who have programs that it's very difficult to visit, to see. A lot of times donors, when they do a site visit, they're hooked. You know, it's just like anything, you know, you get them and they see the kids and they just, of course, they're going to, you know, open up their checkbook. But for those organizations in particular, and I'm thinking of one, we filmed a, um, a program inside a maximum security prison that connects children with their incarcerated fathers. Um, it's a really powerful, important connection because uh, a lot of times, um, you know, these kids are growing up without a father, but the father's not dead. So how do you show, how do you take a, do a donor on a site visit in a maximum security prison? And the answer is you don't. So we filmed inside the prison for a couple of days to show the importance of that relationship and that there was still a lot of value in that relationship for both the father and the child. Um, and it was incredibly powerful and incredibly important for that organization. And it put them in a totally different league 
and they were able to show it at warden conferences to try to get the program adopted by other prison systems, which was incredibly successful. And they were also able to convince the remaining parent of the child, in other words, whether they're living with the mom or the grandmother, whatever, that the, that the connection was important to maintain because they were having a problem with that too. And it helped them with fundraising. So you have to see sort of on all different levels. It goes back to the intangible. It totally goes back to the intangibles. What is the, you know, a lot of times the parent is like, that guy is a deadbeat. I don't want him anywhere near my kid. So um, I just find that this medium is really exciting. It's a really exciting time for video. It's everything is moving towards moving image. Um, You know, I mean, I love podcasts too, but I think that, you know, if you're trying to really have people have a feeling and to be able to see and experience a program in action, you just you can't beat it. Authenticity, emotional, personal stories are important. Great. This is this has been great. And I appreciate you. Thanks, time. Devin, and thanks, thanks for, for all your up. good work for Stone Soup Films. Again, stay tuned to Media on the Radio and iTunes. Get that get that podcast sent directly to your phone as I release more and more of these episodes about nonprofit fundraising, the series that I'm doing. Um, but if you're really curious about all the different episodes that I've done on nonprofit fundraising, you can go directly to my website, waitwhatpro.com, and very easily find a link to the whole series. So I've released the whole series as a batch, um, as a binge listen if you want to do that. Check it out and hope you enjoy it. <laughs>